The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Excited to have on a special guest to break down all things Detroit basketball. We're talking Pistons, and I'm talking with the great Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, also host of the Pistons Pulse podcast. Definitely make sure to check out both of those. Really great stuff, uh, great content, draft breakdowns, Pistons specific coverage, all of that. Um, Bryce, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Corbin, thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this all week. I was DMing you and I was like, yes, you know, our communication got lost a little bit there. Yeah. And, and and I was like, man, I, I hope this goes through because I've been saving my Friday night um, to talk some to put basketball, some draft, basketball in general, whatever we get into. Maybe yes, we'll talk some Marvel on the episode. I don't know. But I'm, I'm pumped, Corbin. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And you're right. I was my, my listeners and me know I'm bad at two things. One, I'm the king of like seeing a text. Okay. I'm going to respond. And then just forgetting and then going, ah, oh, man, that's one. And two, muting myself on a pod. I'll mute myself, you'll talk, and then I'll be going talking, and they'll be like, uh, I think you're muted. So I'm trying to break those habits, but maybe 2023. Um, but I'm definitely pumped to have you on, man. Thank you again. And, yeah, I mean, we, we just wrote this past week has been eventful for basketball, obviously, conference finals, but also we have the NBA draft lottery, uh, Detroit Pistons factored in heavily among that. Um, and I just want to kind of go into their offseason, but before we even do that, kind of recapping the season that was. So Pistons, you know, 23-59 and 59, uh, after get, getting Cade Cunningham. I know he was hampered early with some ankle injuries. Uh, they were 28th in offensive rating at uh, 106, uh, 22nd defensive rating. But ultimately, I think that was some, from, from bird's eye view, from my self-perspective, especially watching down the stretch of the season, some really competitive games from these Pistons. So from someone a lot more, you know, just straight up uh, Pistons expert, how would you describe the season that was uh, for Detroit? Yeah, it was a rough start, Corbin. It had very high expectations to start the season because of Cade Cunningham, the number one pick. We had a good rookie season from Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, and anticipated improvement from Killian Hayes. Jeremy Grant was borderline all-star in his first year mm -hmm. with Detroit. And the beginning of the season did not meet expectations. Cade was hurt. Sadiq Bey got off to a cold start. It was like literally a historic awful start offensively for the Pistons but it did get better and the games you're talking about post all-star break whenever things started to come together guys got healthy there was some pretty decent basketball played in Detroit definitely I'm, I'm, I'm like you said I'm glad once the team got healthier more in gelled in then like obviously yeah from what I was watching I was like okay Detroit like you look at the record and you realize and I told this as a joke to my friend I'm like hey even if teams are trying, like, okay, you, you, you bring in Cade, you have some young pieces. Now, now, no team, I think, it, very few teams, rather, are trying to lose games. But it's just a matter of fact. You have 30 teams, got a bunch of top injuries, and, yeah, not every team has a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or, you know, a Harden in their back pocket. Well, maybe not Harden this year, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at that, um, I think it was a really good synopsis of the season. I think from a more specific uh, kind of high point, low point, what were some high points you had watching Detroit? Was it, you know, progress of some young talent, seeing Kate healthy? Um, just kind of want to get some general specifics of that from you. Yeah, so I think Cade Cunningham was a highlight throughout the season. Mm. But late in the season, we watched him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kevin Durant in the fourth quarter and just, like, exchanging buckets. And yep. then I believe it was the Sixers and the Pistons beat the Sixers. And, and it wasn't just that they beat them. Mm -hmm. The Sixers needed to win that game for, like, playoff standings. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you can start to see what this team may become. Listen, there's a lot of talent that needs to be acquired for this team to be in the playoffs and be a contender and all that. I'm a realist. I understand. I can get, <laughs> listen, Corbett, I can get biased at times. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I can sir. get biased at times. But I understand that, like, they're not on the brink of being a contender. Mm. But you could see – Anytime Cade Cunningham showed that he could be that dude, mm -hmm. and I do believe Cade Cunningham is going to be that dude um, in this league eventually, that's whenever it was really, really exciting. And Sadiq Bey had some of those games as well. He dropped 50 on the Orlando Magic, so he had some really good games himself. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, 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 that's another guy I think really came on ahead. A couple of records, I think, in terms of well, Pistons records for three point, three point shooting. shooting. Yeah. Oh, and I, you know what? Spur of the moment question, but you, you've been watching Pistons basketball for a minute. It, where does he rank? among piston shooters. I saw one article that said he might be like one of the greatest piston shooters ever. And instinctively, my brain was like, mm, I don't know, because I'm thinking like historically Joe Dumars and I know they had like a Terry Mills and I mean I didn't realize Isaiah Thomas wasn't as good statistically of a shooter as I thought he was before my time, but I still watched enough games. But the point being, looking at it, like where do you kind of see him already? Because the guy is I don't even think I'm exaggerating prolific from three. Yeah. Yeah, just in terms of like single season three point makes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rookie se- going back to his rookie season where it was even short because you know we were still in the weird COVID season yeah. stuff, so we didn't get eighty two games, and so yeah, I mean, just in terms of sheer numbers, he's up there with anybody else in the history of the Detroit Pistons, and and that's pretty crazy to think and pretty impressive for Sadiq Bay, and it just shows you what he's done in his first two seasons in the NBA. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I hate to go from high to low. I probably should have started low to high, but looking at you know some of the highs, you talk about internal growth. Uh, Cade Cunningham, the Pistons coming together as a unit. Uh, aside from losing, you know, fifty nine games, what were any low points for you that you're like, whoa, hold up, now, like I'm not thinking about this, you know, heading to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, though, just the way the season started because there was so high expectations and they were irrational and they were too high to begin with, but it was mm. such a bad start. Isaiah Stewart rolled his ankle playing with Team USA, the junior team. So he didn't have the same offseason progression that we wanted. Cade didn't even play like the first five games of the season. Sadiq shot awful. Cade missed his first 18 threes to start the season. Like it was just, it was just, it was as bad as you could imagine. I think it was a literally historically bad start in terms of three point shooting and then offense in general. Obviously, it got better, but there there were some rough patches. They were getting blown out. They weren't being competitive, and so it, it was a little bit trying. In you know, being a Detroit Pistons fan and you know, content creator and just within the community. Yeah, I can only imagine some of the parts. You know, the dog days of December, where you're like. Yeah, you think great right now. <laughs> I do feel, listen, I'm a full disclosure, I'm personally a Lakers fan, so the dog Ooh. days of December were the dog days of every month for me. It was like, oh, maybe we'll turn the corner. Oh, just kidding. But I get that feeling, at least this year. How, um, how, how, how did my guy Wayne Ellington do this year? Is, is, is he oh, a fan? Man. So I like Wayne Ellington. I, you know it's horrible when I have to say, I have to start by I like Wayne Ellington. This isn't I, going down a good path. <laughs> <laughs> no. He like, I think it was whether defensive concerns he came in. I mean, oh, yeah. when he first came in, People actually thought, myself included, that he might be slated in briefly as a starter. Yeah. Because you look at Russ, you look at LeBron AD, and you know you're going to play with another five. You need some spacing on the floor, right? Absolutely. And so Wayne Ellington was kind of that guy to start, but he did start kind of slow, um, was dinged up a little bit, and then defensively quickly lost the trust of Frank Vogel on that end. And then he basically, like, there was a large stretch of the year where both him and Cam Bazemore largely forgotten. And then, like... Toward the end of the season, we, we know he needed some offense to really get going, and we also didn't have a lot of healthy bodies. He starts getting more run. Um, he did okay. I mean, you know what you're getting from Wayne Ellington. Getting good three-point shooting, although, to be honest, the start of the year was kind of streaky, but it ended up really strong um, and some spacing. But defensively, especially on a Frank Vogel-led team, I mean, he was – listen, you can say it about anyone. Like, I hate to put on Wayne alone when Russ wasn't that guy. And half of the guys that, you know, were brought in the offseason really didn't fit Vogel's style of play. But I don't know. I definitely don't think he'll be coming back for a third tour with the Lakers. But I do think he has, like, another year or so because, I mean, he brings what his name entails, you know, the shooter. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I was I was just curious. You know, he yeah. he almost made he almost made too many shots for the Pistons two years ago. Whenever yeah. we were like full tank for Cade <laughs> mode, and it's like, why is Wayne Ellington in the game? He's banging six threes, and we don't need to win this game. We don't so. need that. No, he'd be a great pick. Well, we can talk about all season, but I would like him to go back. I mean, he's been he's been well traveled as a vet, so I feel like a few squads would be his old stomping grounds. But if a team now, if Detroit is trying to turn the corner, we'll talk about it in a second. Then maybe he would help at least in that particular aspect of okay. Much needed floor spacing, you know? Yes. So, yeah, I have hope for him. But, but yeah, it, it was a weird – listen, Lakers, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to, like – I'm not right about very much stuff, Corbin, but I kind of predicted oh. that. When the Russ trade went through, I mm-hmm. just said, I don't understand it. I, I don't like it. I don't get it. And I know there was injuries. I know it wasn't as simple as that maybe. I don't watch a ton of Lakers games because oh, I'm yeah. watching every Pistons game. Yeah. But I was like – it didn't shock me that the season went the way it did for the Lakers, I guess. No, no, Unfortunately. No, you, yeah, you nailed it. It really, I mean, I'm a, it's funny. I'm a Russ fan and a Lakers fan. And even I was like, I had to be optimistic because I had to support my guys. But 
the the love of being a Russ fan, Lakers fan, is I could root for Russ in his own personal records, whatever, and then when he loses in the first round, whatever, then I could really focus on Lakers. But now that their <laughs> paths are entwined, it's like I, Russ can't go off and Lakers do good. I know how this works. I've seen this. So, yeah, it was catastrophic. And this offseason already, how it's shaping up. We'll see. We might have to revisit that later, man. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But, yeah, man, it was rough. But, yeah, whoo. But um, looking at the Pistons, who are, at this point, at least, are on a much brighter trajectory, I think. Um, We look at from the team more to front office coaching staff. Dwayne Casey's going into his fifth year as Pistons has coach. Um, Troy Weaver, I think, is the third or fourth year. Third, third. Uh, third year. There you go. How, how, what are your thoughts on, I put them organizationally, I think coaching and front office are more intertwined than coaching and players. So what are your general thoughts on how they've been leading the rebuild so far? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of trust in Troy Weaver and what he's done. I, I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day. Mm. You can pick out individual moves, Corbin, where it's like, Mm, that's a little head scratching. Like, was that, a, was that the right move or whatever? Yeah. But the thing is big picture, what Troy Weaver has done in two full seasons, starting his third season as he has drafted lucky or not, however you want to say it, a franchise player, mm-hmm. he's created cap space. He's fixed the cap situation. You have a trade asset in Jeremy Grant, or maybe you think a, an asset, or you may, maybe he ends up staying on the team, but a lot of people think he's a trade asset. One of the better trade assets on the market this off season, mm. he's created options. That's, I, that's, that's the long winded version of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He has put them in a space where they can make moves. Now here's what he has to do. Corbin, okay. he has to capitalize on those moves. He has to draft the right guy at number five. If he signs Jalen Brunson or Deandre, like he better get him at the right price and he better be sure that they're going to be as good as what they, you know, he thinks they're going to be. Now it's about the talent evaluation, which is what he's known for and getting the right pieces in place. I love that. Like this is where the team comes together. Like you are, this is a team and it's cool where you're kind of transitioning now. Okay. We ground zero. We broke everything down. We got our franchise player or whatever, or the player we think is our franchise player, just in general for any team. In this case, I agree that Kate is that guy. And now we try to form it together and put that process to work. I love it. Um, In terms of Dwayne Casey, I always thought that that was interesting because what Dwayne is now 65. And at the time when he first came in, mind you, I think there's not, I mean, pop is 73 still coaching, but I thought, Casey's going to a team that very quickly established itself as a rebuilding team after being coached the year in Toronto. Uh, is he, I mean, he seems to be okay with this unit. Plus they seem to be playing better. What are your kind of your vibe, your gauge on both Casey in terms of how he's fitting in, but also like his future. Yeah. I've been quoted as saying, I believe Dwayne Casey is good for what this team needs right now. I don't okay. think he's the best exes in those guys. Like there's some like stuff <laughs> on the floor where I'm like, I would like some more creativity. I'd like him to play faster, but I don't care. They're they're not trying to win a ton of games right now. You know what Dwayne Casey is doing? And I've talked to like people that have come on the pod at, you know, bigger NBA guys, far bigger than me. And they say, he's really good at developing young men into professionals. And that's what this team, he's developing Sadiq Bey into a professional. He's developing Isaiah Stewart into a professional. He's going to do that with Cade Cunningham. And he has the respect Here's the thing. This team has lost how many games the last two seasons, Corbin? Yeah. Nothing negative has come out of that locker. I do I do a podcast <laughs> with a Pistons beat writer, and <laughs> he, he doesn't tell me everything, but yeah. if there was something like crazy going on, you would know. I might get, he would know. Nothing comes out of the locker room in that way. It is a well-run organization, and I think that Dwayne Casey is a huge part of that. My crystal ball mm-hmm. is – that he eventually makes a move into the front office with Troy Weaver over the uh, next couple of years. That would be my guess. I have literally no firsthand knowledge. That's just how I see this playing out. That would make sense. Cause you're right. If you are a coach for that phase of development of whatever you're coaching, you know, to get the scrappy playoff team, the one to ring, win it all, especially like you said, with the more personal relationship case do, I mean, um, Casey's doing maybe not per se X and O's, but with the relationship with the players, what better way to still be part of that transition away from coaching instead of being, you know, fired or dismissed or whatever. Yeah, that would be ideal because I do think he's a guy that, I mean, everywhere Casey's gone, you've heard nothing but high character about him. You know, even if the teams have had mixed success, I don't blame Toronto for LeBron being LeBron, but there's been times, you know, but either, even then Casey's been just renowned. One of those few coaches that you don't hear nary a bad word about. So I'm definitely on board with that. And I, I hope that's the likely outcome at the end of this. Yeah, no, and that's one thing that, like, he's just, everybody, we had David Aldridge on the podcast. Oh, wow. And that's what he said. Uh, we're, we're alum from the same, co- so I oh, played college up. basketball, and then he graduated 
obviously before me, but yeah. from the same college. So oh, that's dope. Just, I just know him a little bit. Yeah, you know, whatever. there's some not kind to, of kinship there. Yeah, not to <laughs> not to name drop, but maybe, oh, no, dude, please. maybe <laughs> a little bit on purpose. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. He, he <laughs> immediately, <shows> yeah, <laughs> immediately, whenever we ask him about uh. Dwayne Casey, he just talked about the stand-up guy he is, you know, the, mm. his character, all of those things. And they're they're building a staff around like Ben Wallace all of a sudden has a role in the organization. Yeah. Don Beeline, who I know it didn't go well in Cleveland, but the role he has with the Pistons is different. He's not the head coach. He's just like a player development guy. So they're getting some of these guys. It seems like, you know, it's working real. You know, one of the losses that kind of hurt, Sean Sweeney is actually an assistant coach for the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, wow. And, you know, a very good defensive team right now. And he was with the Pistons a season ago, and he went over there to join Jason Kidd. So I do think that was a little bit of a tough loss. But I, I do think they're building just – you know, all of these different pieces seems to be gelling together. And that's really solid. That's really cool to hear. I'm glad that, again, the season of transition, maybe into a new phase of your team development, that everyone at least is in unison that way. Um, and I guess transitioning more from that into here we are now. Uh, you know, this past week, draft lottery, Pistons are going to select fifth. I'm just going to throw it right at you. We're going to go right into the offseason here, Bryce. Um, who do you think the Pistons should target? I've heard, uh, we've, I've, I've watched some of your content already on this draft and I've been, you know, doing no ceilings. I've been all over um upside swings podcasts and um draft just all over. Just just take take it all in. Because from what I'm getting, like it's kind of a three person draft. Yes. Between, you know, Chet Holmgren, um, Paulo Bancaro, and of course Jabari Smith Jr. But the Pistons drafting fifth. So where are you at in terms of who you like of these guys and who you hope to follow or who you're targeting personally? And I just want to say real quick, all the ones you dropped are all the podcasts I listen to. So, Love you know, them, anybody listening to this upside swings, no ceilings, yes, all that stuff, they're, dope. Um, they're, they're really, really good. I, it, it was a little frustrating to drop from three to five, right? Everybody, yeah. all Pistons fans were like, we're going to get one of the three and you're probably going to be okay with one of the three. I, I'm, I was disappointed, but I'm fine at number five. I have four names at okay. number five, Shaden Sharp. Who mm. just this like mystery, mystery. box? <laughs> yes, I I don't even know oh, what to think. Me neither. Jaden Ivy, mm. who a lot of people have fit concerns with Cade Cunningham. I for one do not. Okay. Benedict Matherin, who I think is probably the one that I'm higher on than a lot of people. He's a guard out of Arizona, just a smooth, smooth athlete, nice jumper plays really intense aggressive on the defensive end of the floor and then keegan murray the super productive forward wing out of iowa so those are the four guys i would guess it's one of those four guys obviously the kings are going to select somebody you know probably one of those four so then the pistons still have a pick between you know at least three of those guys that's true my first question i think think of that of that group you gave um so you're obviously the math is kind of more your guys gonna say who's the guy you're really more leaning on that you think would be a more like one of your better fits there because i i agree with you i think that with Cade being more of a he's a playmaking point guard but he's really kind of a wing i think ivy will play there like lebron and a decent point guard we've seen Kyrie, for example thrive a lebron despite Kyrie being a more of a traditional point than lebron at least in format you know what i mean yeah i, I think it could work but i, I do want to get your, your thoughts on like your ideal fit you did see lean matherin and mind you coming from arizona as well here uh big matherin fans is what he brings from athleticism three-point shooting defensive upside definitely like what i see there yeah and and i will say ivy played a lot more off ball at purdue than I don't want to sound like arrogant when I say this, but then maybe what people think like, and when you dive into the film, you see him running off screens and he he didn't like necessarily initiate the offense all the time. Now he still got in a lot of pick and rolls, but yes, Mm -hmm. Benedict Matherin, I'm not even sure he's the best option at number five. He just is a guy that I've fallen in love with. Like he's my guy. As I've started doing these. You know what I mean? Like Donnie Davis is mine. Okay. I would love to hear your thoughts on Johnny Davis because Amari is going to, he's been pitching that name to me a little bit more and more. So uh, um, Benedict is everything you said, smooth, explosive athlete. I love the jumper, Corbin. I love the jumper. He elevates so high. He makes contested shots at a high rate. I think he can do it off the move. And then I'm, what sold me on Benedict was I believe his on-ball defense. Off-ball, it's a little questionable at times. Mm-hmm. But I think he's just a dog on-ball. Like, I think he's going to get up and guard people and frustrate them and make them mad. And, yeah. and I love that stuff. So, I'm super high on him, probably higher than anybody else. Um, but I'm okay with that. I feel that. Hey, that's that Detroit basketball. Get up in yes. there. 
you're going to work every day, making it tough. And the outside shooting, again, you're looking for more of that around Cade. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So just real quick, uh, mm-hmm. you asked what the perfect – I also think he's the perfect archetype for Cade Cunningham. Okay. Shooter that spaces the floor. I think he'll develop some secondary playmaking, but yeah. we don't need that right now. Mm-hmm. And then a guy that guards the other team's best perimeter player so that Cade Cunningham doesn't have to. So to answer your question specifically, that's the it. archetype of player. <laughs> you nailed both. I love it, man. Definitely. That is dope. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's the perfect fit. And yeah, he's somebody I'm definitely hot. He's in my top 10 for sure. Um, and then to answer yours, so Johnny Davis, for me, what I like about him, and, and shout out again to Upside Swings Podcast. I We did a mock draft um, last week, and I was like, listen, Everyone, we get to our top five players. My guys, listen, I love basketball in general, but some people like team basketball. Like, that's no, Mike, yeah. give me a bucket. I'm definitely like, sure. um, shout out to, I mean, I've never talked or, or corresponded with this person, and some of the takes are a little extreme for me, but ball don't stop. I've seen him on Twitter, you know, it's about buckets and this and that. And like, in my weaker moments, I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and Johnny Davis to me is like that, except, and this is what, um, Shout out again, Upside Swings, Coop, uh, Cooper Porter Jr., or he, he, he shouted this out or kind of brought this to my attention, is that defensively, yeah. he gets in. Like, yes. you know, he really gets in his guy. He really brings that mentality of, okay, we're really – like that competitiveness, that fire, that, that the intangibles that you can't really teach somebody to get. Sure. And so if you look at that with his frame, you know, 6'5", being able to use his defense, um, being able to use his body in that way, let's get some solid coaching in there. And that tenacity he already brings to the table, I think, is a good match. And then offensively, we've been knocked on a lot is, you know, subpar three-point shooting. He has a tendency to really get to that mid-range kind of shot. Um, and then he has, like, two assists a game. Like, his assist-to-turnover ratio is, like, one-to-one. A lot of that, for me, is, like, he's the only guy manufacturing points for his squad. And so I feel like in the NBA, there's going to be more spacing, of course. The fact he can get to a mid-range shot is great. We've seen DeMar DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard, other mid-range maestros that do that. And in a in a, in a minute, in a sense, that's great. Look at the playoffs now. You know, being able to generate that offense in a moment's notice is great. But also, I think better talent, he'll be able to focus more on, okay, off-ball shooting, you know, maybe developing some more facilitation skills. I've been watching some of his game. And it doesn't seem like he's like, doesn't have the passing. It's just like, it's a mix of maybe not having the players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who are you going to pass the ball to? Like, at a certain point, a Johnny Davis mid-range contested jumper is better than the wide open three from his teammate who can't make that shot. Like, I mean, like the numbers, the numbers are what they are. I, I would, I really want to dive into some Johnny Davis. Like yes. this is my first year doing this. So I've had a hard time prioritizing who I want to break down and yeah. I get, get on this guy and then I'm going to do this guy next, but somebody throws out this guy. Like, I, yeah. I want to see like, what does, I would like to just look through his shot attempts, like, catch and shoot what did it look like what did the numbers say because I actually think he could be a good fit next to Cade Cunningham as well as Mm -hmm. long as he can space the floor because I love the fact he's a high level rebounder for a guard wing and then the defense as well like that's something you take that pressure off Cade Cunningham and now that dude's really getting busy on offense yeah and Johnny may be even better at it when he's not having to do everything offensively like he did for Wisconsin exactly you said it you that's exactly where I'm looking at that's like my upside like upside swing that's where i'm like the upside i'm looking at davis possibly being and i like him for anywhere i have him personally i was really hot on the day i'm like fourth on my list sure since then i've re yeah i revive i have him somewhere between five and eight i think if you're looking at anywhere from detroit um i wouldn't like it for the blazers at seven but the type of player there is an upgrade over cj in terms of size and positional fit um eight with new orleans is my favorite like yes. match there but i do like that player but um but yeah matherin matherin's i think matherin goes ahead and i think it's for good reason matherin brings that shooting off the top he brings a defense the same as as um davis but better shooting i like that for sure um but looking i guess uh from the draft we, we got some guys kind of circled real quick before i move on from that officially the pistons are de- you, i mean not we don't know but you are like pretty fairly certain that they are going to um draft with that pick like the trading after four i think is up in the air for a few teams i don't think detroit's in there i think like sacramento could do it i think uh yes. portland could definitely do it uh you know but i don't know where detroit is what do you think about that yeah i think sacramento's the the spot really that you could see somebody trading into yep. somebody that fall in love with ivy or sharp or whatever who mm-hmm. those guys maybe don't fit with sacramento yeah um no i think more than them trading out of five 
the trade that Pistons fans love is trading Jeremy Grant to Portland for yes. number seven Ooh. and getting that second draft pick in the lottery. And depending on who you talk to, you know, that's not enough for Jeremy Grant or that's way too much for Jeremy Grant, which <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe means it's perfect. Um, the connection there for your listeners is Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard played on Team USA together. And supposedly Damian Lillard loved Jeremy Grant and really wants him to come to Portland. And obviously Portland's going to be in win now next season in you know after you know kind of tanking post trade deadline this past year so maybe there's some true uh you know smoke where the fire is there um or fire where the smoke is i think yeah. i messed that one up. I, I do it all the time it's it's, it's late here corbin man. dude i understand i appreciate it no no worries at all <laughs> but that that's what would be really cool so then the question corbin is now let's take it another step if okay. you have five and seven do you package that to Oklahoma City? Because Oklahoma City wants 1,000 draft picks that nobody knows what they're going to do with. But do you package that up to number two? So um, this is the best thing about the draft, man. Yes. We've been talking about this stuff all Yes, day. I love it. You're right. Like, the, the mixing and matching is all over there. And I think it's interesting. In fact, this is a great transition because I want to talk about the, some of your free agents, um, whether yeah. we're or not. This guy was ironic, was funny. We're going to start with the guy who's not a free agent, but big question whether or not he's returning and that's jeremy grant yeah and what do you think about him because i thought he reminded me and this isn't a perfect example but of a aaron aflalo back in the day where okay. and i don't mean that in terms of player archetype but just mean in terms of role you know the guy was a three and d guy for detroit um then for denver and then he went to orlando and like same age range 27 ish or whatever and he was this high volume scorer, you know, doing stuff he hadn't done before on teams that weren't very good. Well, eventually you raise your trade value for that squad and then you move on to another team. And so I think he went back to Denver or I think it was back to Denver, but at, or Portland, one of those two, I think it was Portland first. The point being is that he couldn't then scale his inefficient high volume game. Like, yes, you were able to show that you could average 26 points a game and that's great. But like, you're really like a 15 to 20 points per game score. And he was already he kind of fizzled out. Like, I think after that, he went to Den he went to Denver, went back to Orlando, and was out. I look at Jeremy Grant the same way, and I never saw Jeremy Grant personally as a guy who you like, hey, I'm playing through Jeremy Grant. Like, there's elements of his game that are so intriguing. You know, um, when he's shooting really solid from three, his ability to always slither and get into the rim, you know. But, like, the first year I saw him in Detroit, I didn't watch him as much this year. He was always injured when I was checking him out. But yeah. in terms of... Last year, a lot of high-volume threes, but also, like, a lot of mid-range jumpers, and, like, yep. he was the guy, and it was like, oh, what do you think about that in general? Because even with the trade, I'm like, I I would, like, Jeremy Grant to me is the guy you trade, like, a future first-rounder for, or, like, a late first-rounder, but, like, same for number seven? Like, that's, like, John Collins territory or SGA territory, like, the tiers of players in my own arbitrary player value thing. So I, I want to get your read on just... Jeremy Grant's a player and possible trade value from him. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I don't think if I was a Blazers fan, I'd be excited about trading number seven for Jeremy <laughs> Grant. Like as a Pistons fan, I'm banking on this, you know, reported, supposed, whatever relationship yeah. between Dame and Jeremy Grant and Dame saying, I want that guy to come play with me and make it happen. Absolutely. Jeremy had a really, really good season his first year in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Troy Weaver took a lot of flack for signing him to that contract. And then yeah. it turned out to be a really good deal. This second year, there was a little bit of like, is this Jeremy's team or is this Cade Cunningham's team? And it took him a little while to figure that out. I don't think Jeremy wanted to give it up as quick. Nah, and, one year he was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, and then post-All-Star break, all of a sudden it clicked. And you could see like Jeremy had been like, nope, this is Cade's team. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but he kind of fell back in line into the role that he's best suited for and needed to be playing with the Pistons. So – as, in terms of what happens this offseason, if he doesn't get traded, he's going to get the extension because the Pistons can't go into the season with him on an expiring contract and then possibly lose him next offseason for nothing. Mm. I wouldn't hate the idea of giving him the extension, letting him play with the squad for till the trade deadline and just see what it looks like. See if with the draft pick, with Cade, with Sadiq Bay, if things can work out a little bit. And if it's not then he's on a contract. It should still be a decent contract and you can flip him at the trade deadline. But I know he's going to be a hot name this offseason to be traded as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And you're right. Whether it's the four or 420 that I've seen kind of float around, which I'm like, Ooh. 
No. I, that's how hefty. I mean, I I saw was I listening to was it? I think it was Brendan Nunez of the Kings Pulse or something. Where he was like, "Hey, I would probably be more comfortable doing the four for 90. I was like, "I wouldn't even want to do that," even though I know that's more in the range of Jeremy Grant. That's nothing to say that Jeremy Grant. He's a very good player in his yeah. prime. I, I guess I'm just like, okay, where well, you're fitting him in. I thought his role in Denver was perfect for what he was, but you know, in Detroit, a very solid player as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a number three, he's a low end three, high end number four guy and like a true contender. Yeah. So what, what, whatever, whatever people think you should be paying that guy is it 20 million? Is it 25? The salary cap's going to start going up because of this new TV deal. So maybe it's 25. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure all those numbers out for myself, but he's not going to come in and be a number two on a championship contender. I can guarantee you that. He may be a number three, depending on how the roster is built out. Mm, there you go. I feel you on that. And I, I'm lockstep with you on that in terms of his fit. So uh, moving from him, I guess, to actual free agents. And there's not a whole lot that I see. No. I mean, that you would be, I mean, maybe a, well, I can even know, like a Rodney Magruder. Like, I mean, I, no, I, I don't think that there's any free agents of note in this one. So Rodney Magruder is a guy that actually had a really good season for the Pistons. And, and actually some Pistons fans don't like him because they're like, he's not part of the future. Why is he taking up minutes? And then uh-huh. he'd be like, he would bang shots and we'd be winning games. We didn't need to win for the tank. And get, you know, it's a Wayne he's Ellington. the 2022 Wayne Ellington. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you can't win sometimes um, whenever you're rebuilding. Uh, so Hamadou Diallo, who actually is a very intriguing player for the Pistons. He has a team option. Uh, Frank Jackson has a team option. And then the big one is Marvin Bagley, the third, he's coming up on his qualifying offer, possible restricted free agency off his rookie contract. That's actually the one that that's of note for the Pistons this off season. They traded for him at the deadline and he has a major cap hold that really puts the Pistons in a bind in terms of free agency, if they don't get something done with him. So it's only a big thing because he takes up all the cap space. It's a $28 million cap hold. And so, and he's not, I don't know if he'll sign that. He wouldn't sign the qualifying offer right away. So it's been reported that they've already worked out a three-year deal with him that assume will be like official the first day of free agency. So I would expect that somewhere in the eight to $10 million range for Marvin Bagley, the third, he, he had a really good 18, 20 games with the Pistons. I was about to ask you, what do you think of his fit? Because this is a guy, now, I don't want to say redemption tour. He, he should have been drafted yes. second overall. So that's no, no fault of his own injuries, no fault of his own, but looking at him as a potential piece with Cade, like where do you kind of see him? Cause I, I agree. Great stretch. But at this point I'm lost as to his long-term potential. And I don't like, I truly do not like to do this, Corbin. I'm not trying to bash the Kings organization. Absolutely they, not. Yeah. they they used him so poorly, really, really bad. When they, when they traded for him, when the Pistons traded for him, I went right to the film immediately. And I walked <laughs> away from the film and I was like, I don't even know what to tell Pistons fans about his offense. Cause they just stood him in the corner and that's not what he, the shot looks good, but he doesn't yeah. make it. Like it looks good, but he doesn't yeah. make it. So I'm like, <laughs> He came to Detroit, and here's where maybe I overvalue him and Pistons fans overvalue him. We had no lob threat on this team. I love Isaiah Stewart. He's a hard worker. He does a lot of really good things. He is the Detroit mentality through and through. He's not a a lob threat. He just isn't. Groundbound. Groundbound. Marvin Bagley came in and was the archetype of a player that this team did not have, and it fit seamlessly with Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes. And so maybe because of that, we overvalue him a little bit, Mm. but it's a valuable, it's a valuable player to have on this roster. If they're not going to sign somebody else or draft somebody else that can do it. That makes sense. That makes sense. I get what you mean. It's, it's like even more exciting for your family, for for your family, for your team, because you didn't have that player at all. So it's like like random team getting like a 35 year old DeAndre Jordan, like, oh my God, he jumps. Not that he's great. But Corbin, just that that type of player is great. It, it, it literally made the games more fun to watch. We, do, we didn't catch a lob all season long until after the trade. I mean, <laughs> not, not seriously, but there were yeah, very yeah. many. Hamadou, a, Diallo, Hamadou uh, Diallo is a big-time athlete. So, oh, yeah. I love me some Hamadou Diallo. Yep. But that, and, and even the numbers from the Kings, there's a crazy stat Omari always likes to throw out. He had like 10 dunks all season with the Kings. And then in 18 games with the Pistons, Marvin Bagley III had like 30 or something. Like wow. it was just, And what it spoke to was the different ways each team used him. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like Detroit used him in a way that was more suited to his skill set. Now, the problem is 
he's not very good defensively. And it's yeah. not from a lack of effort. He just doesn't have very good awareness on that end of the floor. Okay, the tools on that end yeah. will come to bite you. I get that. But I do like the fact you brought up the fact, like, he does feel a need. Um, He's definitely seemed to like it there. I guess, and I hate to bash on Sacramento either, but anywhere outside of Sacramento at this point, for him, it's probably, like, amazing. So if you're on a team that needs you, why even test it? Like, I think you said, if you have an agreement in place, you know, he's still mad young. Let him grow and see what he does with this guy. Maybe as the four on this unit. Um, I guess going from free agents that you have to ones that you may pursue, it's a little early, obviously. I mean, the draft's still a month away, but I'm looking at all the offseason here. Are there any types of players, either more archetypes or specific players you've been looking at or want to look at that you would be intrigued by um, their joining Detroit or the prospects of having them? Yeah, so let's start with the big fish. Zach Levine, I don't think, is going to come to Detroit. Now, it (laughs) it is interesting that it seems like it's not a set in stone that he returns to Chicago. That's crazy to me. That's the vibe I'm getting. I don't know about you, but that's I heard it, yeah, and it's weird. I thought that they – I thought he enjoyed this last season. But, I mean, listen, Zach Levine, this is one thing where he – this is the first time being a free agent. So that's where I always try to go – I don't know their story because you're right. He got traded to Chicago, then restricted free agency rights were matched from Sacramento. So yeah, I maybe the vibes are different. That's shocking to me. And he would be the other archetype. Or uh, here's the thing about Cade Cunningham: he's so malleable. You can put in all sorts of archetypes next yeah. to him. But I wouldn't hate seeing a true bucket getter in the Zach Levine mold next to Cade Cunningham as well and just let Cade orchestrate the offense. So let's get some more realistic ones. I think Jalen Brunson is realistic. There's been reports. I don't think the Mavericks let Jalen Brunson walk after the run that they've made here in the playoffs. I think there's a higher chance he stays. Um, Colin Sexton is an interesting Corbin. An interesting name, Corbin. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Restricted free agent with Cleveland's. He has a high upside as a scorer. I know there's questions about his defense and some things. I think it would be at the right price. I would be excited about Colin Sexton. I don't think he's going to probably end up going for the price that I would be comfortable with. So the name that all of a sudden has really got Pistons fans excited that a week ago nobody thought was realistic is DeAndre Ayton. Like nobody nobody thought DeAndre Aiden was really leaving. And now the, you know, the whatever, whoever's does the odds, if he's not in Phoenix, it's one-to-one that he ends up in Detroit. Oh, that's dope. Uh, Listen, I'm in Arizona right now. Like this is where I'm at. The vibes are that he's gone. Like the fan base is weird. I mean, you have some, I I like the fact like I like Zona sports and bright side of the sun. And um, there's so many great, just phoenix you know um the solar like there's a bunch of great phoenix uh, suns coverage but i've gotten a lot of well like from what you heard from the interaction between Aiden and monty from the lack of uh interview for a and the fact that there was a rumor tale there was a rumor deal that was confirmed um from i think zach Lowe that Aiden it was squashed but Aiden would have went to the indiana for sabonis oh yeah like yeah. That means that at some point already, whatever smoke screens Phoenix wants to use is shot to James Jones for keeping a relatively squeaky clean front office. Like, they had dangled him, and obviously Aiden wants to move. So, yeah, I could totally see it. And we're talking about Robert Sarver here. You already yep. have uh, Devin Booker, who, if he gets what? If I think he's all second team, if he gets an all-NBA team of any, he's going to he hit the super, max, super max, right? Yep. You already have an extension for Mikel Bridges already that kicks in this upcoming season. You got like you got money. Chris Cam Paul's Johnson still on the books. Chris Paul's guaranteed another year. Cam One Johnson year. is yep. going to be extended. Yeah, I think it's not guaranteed after. But but like yeah, yeah with all of that, like, are you really going to make that investment to bring Aiden back? I think most teams could because the guy is still just twenty three. Do I think the Phoenix Suns will? No. Yeah, and, and it seems like whatever happened in that game seven, which I don't know, was an insane game. Oh, that them. was I want dude, that was I, I don't know what I was watching and I watched all of it. Well, so that was the thing. It was the most interesting, entertaining 50-point blowout I've ever watched in my life. I couldn't <laughs> turn it off because I'm this isn't real. Like they're gonna make a comeback. Something yes. like and I was just like, this is insane. It wasn't just what happened in that game between Monty Williams. There is as more and more stuff comes out. It's like, this has been building and there was the trade stuff and all that. It's like, you can really see him leaving. Now, I think it would be crazy for them to let him just walk. I think they're gonna, you know, they have a little bit of control because he's a restricted free agent. 
So I think they will threaten to match an offer sheet. Let's say it's the Pistons, and then they'll force the Pistons to actually execute a sign and trade to bring DeAndre Ayton. But I, I think, you know, someone like Jeremy Grant, I know it's not like this position for position, but I think the Phoenix Suns could use a guy like Jeremy Grant, in, you know, to add to that roster. So I think it's a realistic possibility that DeAndre Ayton, I don't, I'm not saying it's a, it's realistic. It's possible is what I say is DeAndre Ayton could end up in Detroit and, and he fits a need. Wow. Yeah. I mean, listen, I would love him in Detroit being able to expand his game. I think Phoenix sort of, I don't know. When, if you look, I mean, you, you, you watch a lot of college basketball. You look at what Ayton did in, in Arizona, right? He was a beast under the basket. He was somebody who could shoot the mid-range jumper. He was somebody who could shoot the three. You know, like he went to Arizona and almost immediately his, his role was kind of marginalized to just finish around the basket, just shooting the mid-range, maybe once in a while uncorking a couple of threes, but never felt like we had the full DeAndre Ayton ex- like experience. Even when you look at once Monty took over, because I think his first one was under Igor Kokoskov, once Monty took over, then fine, even then, you're not getting, you were getting a, a more in-check Ayton. He would beast up on mismatches or situations like that, but they were never like playing through Aiden. And I think no better way was that shown than this most previous series against the Mavericks. They went, you know, they're doubling, they're 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 dragging Paul out of possessions. They're doubling Devin Booker, taking him out the game. You have Aiden. It's a small ball lineup with the biggest guy being Maxi Kleba. Like, why aren't you giving it to the big man? Do you think he has that potential? Like, I, th- that I think that's my. I, I've said I'd be a little bit hesitant to give him the max contract, and I, I'm probably in the minority there because he is so good. But I wonder, like, can he be a number two option on an offense? Can he be a number three option on the offense? Because he hasn't been asked to do that in Phoenix, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. So you probably know better than me. Is that potential there with him, the skill level, the talent? I think it is. The dude is a great toucher on the basket. The dude has good hands. He has a very good mid-range jumper. The fact that his shot does go up to three, if he took more volume, if he was allowed to take more volume, I think he could be like a 34 35% three-point shooter on like maybe two, three threes a game. Like the guy has the different weapons. It's just for whatever reason. Um, and some of it, I think, is his own. Like, you got to go get after it. But others, is like you can cl- still clearly see that the first option for the son is Devin Booker, then Chris Paul. Then we're looking at Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder bringing some threes. And then we're looking at Aiden. He's more on that par. So if you put him in that marginalized role, I think he in his head is already kind of thinking that way as well. And it might lead to lack of effort. So you bring him there. I think that on a, on a good, like, if it was a team other than Phoenix – I think definitely number three, maybe a really good number three, but I could see him as a number two. I mean, he came in and the, the talk was uh, Devin Booker, uh, uh, A and Shaq Kobe. Well, Devin Booker's not Kobe and A is not Shaq. But like in this NBA, I definitely think that Aiden could be like a really good big. Like I like him in Detroit. I like him in Orlando. I think he'd be huge there. Um, there's a few teams where he could really kind of flourish, uh, similar to Marvin Bagley, I would say. Like sometimes the team's not the good fit, and yeah, the team could be successful but just not the good fit for the player. Yeah, and I think he'd come to Detroit. Maybe that will makes it even more realistic that he would want to come to Detroit because he probably looks there and he's going, yeah, Cade Cunningham's the dude, but then who else on the roster is going to take shots from me? Sadiq Bey, you know, is probably a number three, number four guy. You know, he can still get better, but, yeah. you know, and then there's going to be a rookie, but, you know, that guy's not exactly going to come in and take number one option shot attempts. No. So he's going to come to Detroit and have a chance to grow his game, being a focal point of the offense and get to run pick and roll with, I mean, I know he's been able to do it with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but now you get to do it with the up and cutting Kate Cunningham. Yes. It has, has to be at least a little bit intriguing to do that. So, yeah, they'd be the same age, wouldn't they? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it would be exciting. It, it really would. Um, any other free agents you kind of have? I think Aiden's kind of the big fish there, but just given where you guys are, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I have some under-the-radar guys if the Pistons decided to go just a little more low-key. You know, some guards like Gary Harris. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one, so I'll save him for then. Dante, okay. DiVin- Dante DiVincenzo, Lonnie Walker, Malik Monk. He's a guy Ooh, that... I, knew, I was hoping you were going to say him, but yeah, yes, so, yes. He fits a little bit of the archetype. I don't know that he has the defense that, okay. <laughs> he doesn't have the defense. No, he tries, but he's too small. But you he know, spaces the floor. He very shoots well. it well. Um, you know, like I said, he's still young. So maybe there's still some upside. I think, so, yeah. So he's a guy that intrigues me a little bit. If they just, if they just a little more chill with how they spend their money, don't go for a big fish, but like to make 
you know, maybe they take the, the road of just small and steady improvements and he would be an upgrade in the backcourt with Cade Cunningham compared to what they had. No, I 110% agree with you on that. He's just 24. Uh, he was the, the MVP of our team, I think. I mean, obviously LeBron was MVP, but if not LeBron, Malik Monk was the most consistent. Um, I mean, in games played, it was Russ, but just consistent from play day to day, the most reliable in terms of being able to step in consistently and go on a flurry. He single-handedly won a game for us against the Knicks, against us, for the Lakers against the Knicks, um, brought high volume three-point shooting. Uh, it was really good to see the way he played. Mind you, hopefully bringing him back, but obviously like we are strapped and he's going to get bigger offers. So it's really a matter of what he decides a better fit for him. Uh, he seemed to like LA and that's great, but I do think in a right role, like he's not going to be the shooting guard of the future over there if he went to Detroit, but definitely a key part of maybe their bench rotation can slide in and be a starter. Um, I mean, the Lakers kind of stretched him to a lot, and he did his best, but defensively, yeah, that was not a pretty sight. But, yeah, I love the way he grew from Charlotte in L.A. that one year. He, dude, I, I would love him with Cade alongside whatever pick you have in Marvin as a guy who just filled up and get you instantly transform your offense. Yeah, and so I think – it's going to be very telling what Troy Weaver does with free agency, because again, like he's not a guy that's going to like take you from here into contention. But again, if they want to just let's take a step forward, let's actually win some legitimate amount of games next year. Maybe we flirt, you know, make a, a big jump and flirt with the playing game or something. Mm -hmm. That's a signing you make. If you want to do that, if you want to just let it grow, the young guys grow and take it a little bit slower, then I don't know that he makes as much sense. And then also I don't have a bunch of names because I kind of had like not focused on it. Oh yeah. It's too early. I, I jumped the gun for sure. <laughs> no, no. But I thought the Pistons were going to have a top three pick and get one of like Chet Jabari so I hadn't looked at any like free agency big men mm -hmm. and so I don't have as many names there in terms but now it doesn't look like they're going to draft a big guy so there may be a, a spot on the roster for one of those guys although they do have Stewart they have Kelly Olenek and then as we've talked about Marvin Bagley the third so not a ton of minutes available there either very true very true yeah you guys are mostly in a spot where i think once the draft gets set maybe one or two guys you know power asset plays if you can make one for Aiden or malik monk or something but yeah for the most part i think you kind of got your group and that's really good yeah. to see um i guess kind of transitioning from that to the idea of next year um and again i know a lot of these i'm asking super early but i like to get a gauge and then kind of double back um for you personally i guess we'll see what the pistons do in this offseason but like is this another year of like continued development if we make the playoffs or playing great if not whatever is an attempt to turn the corner to a more competitive unit like we kind of alluded to earlier what is your kind of vibe on on where these pistons are headed this upcoming season my impression is they want to take that step to be more competitive again i don't know that play-in game is realistic it kind of depends like we've talked about how the offseason you acquire deandre ayton you draft, you know, someone like Benedict Mathern, who I think makes an impact year one. You draft Keegan Murray, who makes an impact year one. Sign Malik Monk, something like that. I think mm -hmm. you can legit, like, be making a push for that. There's also a path, Corbin, where if you draft, like, let's say, Shaden Sharp, he's not going to be great as a rookie because he's coming out of high school. He hasn't yes. played basketball in 12 months. Yes. I'm not saying it's a bad selection, but it's going to take a little longer for him to be productive. So you may not, I don't want to say take a step back, but you may not take that step forward. My impression is though that Troy Weaver and the organization does want to do that. Be competitive, win more games next year. And again, I think high end outcome is maybe you're playing competitive, meaningful games that, that are getting you into the play in game or play in tournament, I should say, um, possibly at the end of season. I like that. So I guess that, that actually negates my second question, which is, do you think the Pistons make the playoffs? Cause you look at that lower rung we've seen, I mean, the Hawks were injured. They made it. The horn is parentally no defense, but they seem to find a way if Kate's healthy, you do get, like, best-case scenario, even not even best-case scenario, but looking at other your development, I think that Cade, and I think you would agree, is so good. Like, he could be one of those guys that drag Detroit into that, like, playing and talk, and then who knows what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be all about development. Now, if you make the move for DeAndre Ayton and you hit on the number five pick, then, yeah, I feel there's – a, there's an offseason that plays out where I would sit at the beginning of the season and say, yeah, man, this team's going to be in the play-in tournament. I don't know that there's an outcome any higher than that, but it, it's all about the progression, right? I, I've said how many times that I think Cade Cunningham is that dude. I and guess if so. I, 
if I think he's that dude, then I'm expecting some progression this coming season where he's even better. Sadiq Bay improves a little bit. Maybe Marvin Bagley is what we saw for 20 games. And if he does that same type of stuff, you know, that's a huge improvement as well. So I think there's a world where it happens. If I had to bet a significant amount of money to me, I would say they come up just short of it. I like that though. I agree. And I'm with you, but I think it's cool that we have this open window it's nothing better than have a young team that you're hyped on and the sky's the limit and you have some realistic expectations, but you don't know. So yeah. I'm definitely with them, man. Hey, Bryce, I mean, this has been – we. I said, oh, we're going to look for like 20 minutes to 30 minutes talking Pistons. We got almost a full hour in here. I, I'm <laughs> notorious for that, Corbin. I'm I so love sorry. it. <laughs> That's me too, bro, but I, I do appreciate it. It was a really good conversation full of just deep diving with someone who follows this team. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but before I let you go, I got to ask you, yeah. I ask – all my first time guests this question. It all started, I went to Vegas for summer league last year, and I had on my phone my screensaver of not my five top players, my five favorite players, but I misspoke. So I'm like, ooh, who's on your, on your phone? And it was Monte Ellis, Russell Westbrook, um, Latrell Sprewell, Michael Beasley, and Terry Rozier. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, <laughs> and I said, those are my five favorite players. And like, they're like, you're five favorite. I was like, listen, like I watched those guys. I mean, Latrell's people were tired, but when I like just started really watching the ball, um, when he was with the Timberwolves, like when I really started watching him, but I looked back, saw him with the Knicks. I was young when he went to the finals of the Knicks. Um, I watched all of Beasley, all of Ellis, Rogier, obviously, and Westbrook as well. And the guy, the passion, the quirkiness, the shot making, like they made them my favorites, my hoop live squad. And so, Ask everybody I get on. I've gotten, I've had a, a hoop vibe squad first team, second team, third team. I've had one with all um, WNBA players, one all NBA players. I've had uh, uh, alternates. So I am hyped for you. Let, let's get your top five favorite. Who's your hoop vibe squad, Bryce? I'm yes. pumped. So two, one, Michael Beasley's a bucket, man. So no yes, matter sir. what anybody says, that dude is a. So I live in Kansas. So he played at K State in college. Oh, so I mean. I mean, I'm a KU fan, not a K-State fan, but he's got buckets. And then also, are you going to Summer League this year? Are you going I will be there. I will okay. be there. Are you going to be there the first couple of days? Oh, I'll be there from the 6th to 18th. All right, bet. We're going to meet up, and, and what we need oh, to grab dinner or coffee or lunch or yes, something. Sir. We're going to meet up. The, I'm going out for a couple of days. So oh, that's all. Let's do it. We'll link up for sure. Book yes, it. Sir. Book it. All right. Um, I'm trying to think what order. Uh, let's, all-time favorite player. This dude was my idol growing up. And I always laugh because we are complete opposite in play style. I was a stand in the spot, catch, shoot, make shots. And that's what I did. But Allen Iverson, man, <laughs> I, I loved, I fell in love with the game of basketball watching Alice, Allen Iverson play. And it's the passion that man played with. He was this little dude who was scared of nothing. And everybody remembers the, it's just practice. It's just practice, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he had some flaws, but that dude laid it on the line for 82 games plus. Every year. And he was cat quick, and I just – I fell in love with the game watching him. So that's number one. Okay. I got, Steph Curry. I got AI. Ooh. Steph Curry. We Steph cooking. Curry is number, number two. And I just love skilled basketball players. And the way this man shoots the basketball is just crazy. He is must-watch, and I just love it. Like, he's he, – he has literally changed the way the game is played yeah. for better or worse, whether you think it's good or not, you know, he has changed the way the game is played Absolutely. and that's impressive from somebody like him. So Steph Curry would be the number two on my number list. Two. Okay. Kevin Garnett. So you, you mentioned the KG, Timberwolves, KG uh, an intense player, you know, kind of change again, a seven footer who played a little bit more on the perimeter shot jumpers, those type of things. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Garnett, um, and, and with these names, everybody's probably figuring out my age as I go through it as well. <laughs> Listen, I love – it's funny, though, because you, you get a trend on some, but you don't know. Like, right now, I get, like, prime 90s, 2000s. Like, yep. this is the mecca. So, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right, Kevin Garnett, KG. And so, I didn't grow up a Pistons fan. Those, those that follow me know this. Um, but I was a fan of the going to work squad and my favorite player on that squad was actually Rip Hamilton because of the face mask. Yes. Oh, I, so used to, <laughs> I used to love his, um, free, I tried it. It threw off my own free throw. I ended up taking the behind the bat Ben Gordon piston uh, thing, okay. but he used to do the dribble, dribble, dribble side. And uh, I just yes, thought it was yes. so neat and cool. But every time I did it, I would lose like, <laughs> like the way I wanted to shoot it. But it was so, yeah, I, the swag on that, man. Rip, Rip Hamilton. 
Rip, Rip was dope, man. And I broke my nose playing college basketball when I was playing Juco. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okay, I get to wear the face mask and like, like Rip Hamilton. The problem was I got the goofy looking one that wasn't oh, no. like, and I couldn't see anything. <laughs> you had the, was, um, the Jason X one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, no. Like, this was not what I thought. I get right. you on that. <laughs> All right, number five. And All this right. is going to throw everybody a little bit. Ooh. Frasian Langdon. And here's the crazy thing, Corbin. I hate Duke. I hate Duke. (laughs) So this is where it's like. You got to explain yourself, man. Yeah. I don't even know. I was a kid. I was like 10, 12 years old when Trajan Langdon was playing at Duke. And I just have all these memories during the NCAA tournament. Have my little bracket. I would go out to the driveway. I'd play through the games. And I always was Trajan Langdon knocking down game-winning shots in the driveway. And, and I don't know why. I think it was because his nickname was the Alaskan Assassin. Or, Which is like, super dope. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it was a cool nickname. I was, like I say, 10, 12 years old. And it's like, it's a memory. I'm 35 now. So for the mm-hmm. listeners, there you go. I'm 35. Like 20 <laughs> plus burnt. years later, it's still like embedded in my brain. That's dope. I was just like going through this as like, I got to put Trajan Langdon on there, man. Like That is it, dope. That That's childhood stuff yeah and what's funny about this another reason why i like this kind of thing is like regardless of i mean you said it you don't even like duke hate duke but like what our relationship to basketball you know it's all different everyone's journey is different in that in that journey like to the sport but we all love for different reasons and it still comes through like even like you said someone as random as Trajan langdon the (laughs) fact that i picked my lakers as a nine-year-old watching the 2004 nba finals i will yell time and I um I only picked them not because of Shaq, not because of Kobe. I like the purple and yellow. <laughs> and I was like, that's my squad. So then the very next year, I'm watching Brian Cook and Smush. No, it wasn't even Smush Parker. It was uh, Chucky Atkins. And you know, I'm watching those guys. And the funny thing is, again, it's just here we are all these years later, still, you know, deeply rooting the game. And it comes from the most randomest of inspirations sometimes. So that is dope, my friend. So we got, I'm going to run it back real quick. We got AI, Allen Iverson question he's the answer you got Steph Curry you got uh Trajan Langdon and Rip Hamilton and you got KG I, I put it in positional order but we got the yep. five right there that is dope man that is one of the more unique ones I've gotten and I've had a few but this, this is why I love asking this question it's it's the hoop vibes you know yeah oh nah. man Bryce <laughs> my squad's a little short as I'm looking through that I don't know how many games I don't know how many games we're gonna win but we're gonna compete and we can oh, yeah. it a little bit so oh y'all, y'all uh, will beat us because uh we can't guard anybody in <laughs> Like Russ, hey. Russ might take it personal for Steph Curry for like a game or two, but uh, the rest of those guys are not known for defense. We're just gonna get buckets. So, <laughs> you know, as you're talking about that, you know, I think about this stuff, Corbin. Like, mm-hmm. I love this NBA community that we have. I love to say, and I love to always tell this any podcast I go on. Yeah. Some of my best friends I've met. I've only been doing this for 18 months. I told you this. Like, I wow, just yeah. you know, the podcast, and then I started doing YouTube stuff and whatever. Yeah, so I've met so many people. Like. Half the names in my phone book now are people I've met through Twitter. Some people I haven't even met in person like you. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I love these I dudes. Just, I love these people. Yeah. And it's so, it, it's crazy. It's such a cool community. I know sometimes you see the bad side of it on Twitter. But oh, yeah. like, there's an amazing side of it that I love. And, and that's why what keeps going every day is I just get to talk hoops. You know, like yeah. you an hour, hour talking hoops on a Friday night. Nothing better. And Nothing you said better. it, man. Like, I appreciate, again, talking to you, we were laughing about before. I got a shirt from you a while back. I was like, dude, I saw it. I was like, it's popping. I love to rep that. You broke with me. I got a shirt. I was like, oh, my gosh. And all this time now, and you said it. I mean, my, my favorite memories in Vegas, funny we're going to be doing this again, is like yeah. I'd had Rafael Barlow on my show twice. Oh, and I finally met Rafael. We talked for like 20 minutes in Vegas. It was like, that's dope. You know, me yeah. and these connections are um, Seth Partnow, Eric Pincus, how the sports business classroom. But like, you're able to have – like literal okay i look at my phone like you said xyz person that on social media is weird because you kind of like oh he's a beat right he's this you kind of elevate him whether or not you do it yes. in your head but then you see them you're like oh we all just people man this is what we love and this is how we connect and i'm just trying to get where you at there to hear like at that in that moment we're just just people loving hoops and it's beautiful i would say we're all the same person just loving hoops loving talking hoops 
breaking down hoops, whatever it is. We all do it in our own way. Yes. We got our own path, all that stuff. But we love talking hoops. We can sit down at a table and spend hours doing it. Hours. And I can't wait to do it with you at Summer League, man. Oh, I'm bro, I'm, I am so pumped now, Bryce. I Listen, it's going to be it's gonna be a blast. I'm really looking forward to that. So we're going to no make doubt. that happen, man. But Yes, sir. I am so grateful and thankful that you came on, man. I really appreciate this. It's been a blast. We'll have to do this again when you get some time. Maybe after, you know, before the season starts next year. We'll be Absolutely. have been then linked up by then. But, um, yes, sir. Yeah, I know. Okay, listen, before I let you go, because I can keep going. This has been just bomb. Where can folks obviously find your work? Because between your podcast, between your YouTube content, you are doing a lot. I've enjoyed it. We got we got to share this stuff, man. Yeah, so at Motor City Hoops on Twitter, and then the YouTube channel is just Motor City Hoops, Bryce Simon. You can also find that stuff at MavsDraft.com. I've linked up with him, and now he's putting my uh, NBA Draft profile breakdowns. And so those are just video breakdowns for you guys if you want to check those out. I've done a bunch of different prospects. And then Detroit Bad Boys, if you are a Pistons fan that wants Pistons-specific content, I do stuff there. And then after you listen to my man Corbin's podcast, check out The Pistons Pulse. Me and Omari Sankofa the second Pistons beat writer for Detroit Free Press every Tuesday. I love it, man. I love it. And shout out to Mass Draft. I had him on. Love me some Richard. He's a cool, dude. He, uh, awesome dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, like you said, this community is great. It's a blessing, man. It's something just active, bro. And it's, I love it. But yeah, man, thank you so much again. Uh, definitely check out uh, Bryce All Here. He gave you where to find him on Twitter, on uh, Mass Draft, all of his work, the Pistons Pulse. It's a killer. Like, make sure to check into that. If you want to find me on Twitter, pretty simple, at CorbinNBA. Uh, anything I'm going to do, not only this pod, but also the Phoenix Mercury, all of that in general will be there. But uh, listen, guys, it's been a blast. Thanks for listening with us. Uh, for Bryce, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.